And here we go, kicking off hour number two of the show, Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920, through the question out there on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R. If, for some weird reason, Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud is available at number three and you're the Raiders, are you trading up to that spot to go get that quarterback, or do you stay there at number seven and stick with the plan and get the best defensive player available? That's the question that we ask. And if you have a response that you'd like to give to that, definitely hit us up. And if you have a question you'd like to give to our next guest, you can hit us up as well at 69187, keyword R&R. And join us now on the phone lines is our friend John Steppe, Hawkeyes reporter for thegazette.com. And, John, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. And it's funny, I actually had a bunch of people reach out to me and say, hey, you need to get someone on talking some Iowa Hawkeyes because they got a lot of dudes that are going to be in the upcoming NFL draft. What was it about Iowa, how they were able to put everything together this year and really have a, a really good season? Yeah, they have a reputation. First of all, thanks for having me on. They have a reputation for really good defenses and really good special teams, and that was, again, the case in 2022. The offense wasn't so great, but the defense was truly exceptional. And you look at it from a yards-per-play standpoint, best team in the nation, a lot of really good players who now will probably make some NFL teams very happy as well in a few months. Yeah, there's no doubt one of those players is Lucas Van Ness, a guy who didn't even get burned all the time, right? He wasn't playing all the time, but he had a lot of production. What can you tell us about Lucas Van Ness, and why wasn't he in the action more than he really was, even though he was very productive? Yeah, the fact that you'll find pretty much mentioned in almost every mock draft when they talk about Lucas Van Ness is the fact that he technically did not have any starts as a Hawkeye, which sounds crazy when you think about, Mm -hmm. hey, this is a first-round talent. Now, in reality, if you look at the snap counts, he was in probably second or third on the defensive line in terms of snaps. So he was playing a starter-level workload, but he just never had the start because they had a lot of veteran guys ahead of him. Really a really great athlete. He was dubbed Hercules, and if you watch his highlights, you see why. Really athletic, really great ability to move. I think it was the Iowa State game also. He had two blocked punts Mm. in one game. So that kind of goes to show what kind of guy he is. He played both on the outside and in the inside on the defensive line at Iowa. Iowa's defensive line coach kind of thinks of it as you almost want your four defensive linemen to be four wheels on the car where Mm. they can go on any of those four positions and Lucas Van Ness very much fits that bill. I think at the next level, though, he's probably a little better on the outside, but he has that inside experience as well. What are you seeing from him as far as growth? Because, again, I mean, he wasn't playing all the time, as you mentioned, didn't technically get any kind of starts, but he had such such good production. How much better do you see him getting? Yeah, I think the ceiling is still really high. I think he's grown a lot from – when, certainly from when he came into Iowa a couple of years ago to now. But I think there's still a lot of room for him to grow. And I think he's a really a high-feeling type of prospect here in this draft because he is still young. He's really only been a contributor for two years on this defense. And in both those years, had really good production. So I think you could still see a lot more growth to come. 
Again, we're talking with John Steppy, Hawkeyes reporter for the Gazette.com here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Now, another guy that I've heard that the Raiders actually have some pretty high interest in is linebacker uh, Jack Campbell. And the linebacking class isn't really deep. So uh, what, what did Jack Campbell, what, how much did he contribute to the team and what kind of player is he overall? He was probably the most important player to this Iowa defense last year and I think you could even say the year before. He really is, well, I think the best way to describe him is how Jim Harbaugh described him before the 2021 Big Ten tournament or Big Ten Championship, when he said that he has a nose for the football, and you really see that where he kind of seemed to be almost like an omnipresent force that middle linebacker for Iowa, where you look and okay, there's Jack Campbell making the play, and his tackle numbers were incredibly high. He's a bigger linebacker. As a result, not the fastest. He did not have a great 40-yard dash time, but a lot of his other combine numbers were very good. So athletic for his size, won the Butkus Award, which, of course, goes to the best linebacker in the country. Also won the Campbell Trophy. No known relation to the Campbell that that's named after. <laughs> but you look at it, a great leader on the team off the field. It's interesting. He plays with a really violent style, just with how great of a tackler he is, where I would really not want to be on the other side of a Jack Campbell tackle. And then off the field, he's this calm, low-key, soft-spoken guy where you think, wow, is this really the same guy that's dishing out those big tackles? So... I think if this was 40 years ago with that previous style of playing the NFL, he'd be like a household name practically. Yeah, like I said, I hear that uh, the Raiders have some interest in Campbell. Got to see him uh, at the Combine, and uh, he just kind of sounds the part, right? I mean, he just sounds the part, seems like the part. Just to me, one of those guys is like a football player's football player. Is that kind of the impression that you get from Campbell as well? Oh, yeah, that's a great way to describe it, where you can tell – if you just talk to him, if you saw him along the street, like, okay, yeah, this guy was meant to be a football player. Mm-hmm. So really hardworking, really humble. So you're not going to get really any locker room issues with him either. Yeah, that's a good thing. That's a really good thing. And in the class, like I mentioned, that's very uh, thin when it comes to good quality linebackers. I mean, he could be a guy that sees and hears his name called very early in the process. John Steppe, Hawkeyes reporter for Gazette.com, is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. But that's not the only two players. I mean, there's there's multiple players, uh, including Riley Moss, the cornerback Riley Moss. He's got a lot of nice production. Uh, what are you hearing about him, and, and what should NFL teams expect from Riley on the next level? Riley Moss continuing the tradition of really good defensive acts under the direction of defensive coordinator Phil Parker at Iowa. The question going into the combine was going to be his speed, and I think he answered a lot of that with his 4-4-5-40. Fundamentally sound guy. I think some teams might be tempted to move him to safety. I think he has the enough quickness, though, to get by at corner you can put him in zone, and he's going to be really solid there. So the 2021 Big Ten defensive back of the year, he's had a couple injury issues throughout his time at Iowa. But when he's been on the field, he's had a lot of really good results and has been a big part of the secondary, which they refer to as the Doughboys at <laughs> Iowa. 
Well, we got a question on our don'tbebroke.com text line about KV on uh, Merriweather, the safety there from my, uh, Iowa. Uh, what are your thoughts on him? Yeah, great leader off the field. He was the inaugural winner of the Duke Slater Golden Gavel Award winner, which is given by Iowa local media to the athletes who has been most cooperative to local media. So great leader, somebody who's really been vocal in terms of his advocacy for off-the-field things. His stats, when you look at a lot of the traditional college football stats, they don't jump off the page. But he had the best, according to pro football focus, he had the best NFL passer rating allowed among anybody with at least 200 coverage snaps this last year. You you look at the film, they just didn't throw to him very much. And that's why he didn't have more interceptions. But really a great safety was basically a position that Iowa didn't have to worry about strong safety because, oh, yeah, you've got Cave on there. So his numbers don't jump out as much as others in terms of his combine numbers, et cetera. But they're getting a really good leader off the field and on the field, whoever gets him. And somebody that could maybe sneak by. And he could be a guy that five years from now people are wondering, wow, how did we totally miss him? <laughs> right. Look, that, that happens a lot, right? There's always at least one guy in the NFL draft is like, wait, how did that guy drop all the way to there? Because he's that stinking good. So that's obviously a guy to look out for. And, and John, uh, the tight end class is really deep in this upcoming draft. It's one of the deepest tight end classes that most people have ever seen. And that includes Sam Laporta, uh, the tight end there from Iowa. He seems like he's a really good, uh, really good player as well. What does he bring to the table? Yeah, really a great receiving tight end where you look at it, he was not working with the greatest staffs of quarterbacks during his time at Iowa, but his production was off the charts. And he also was working in situations where the wide receiver core, especially this past year for Iowa, was really thin. Defenses could really key up on Laporta, but he still had a phenomenal season. I'm sure whenever he gets drafted, ESPN will show the, and NFL Network will show the clip from the Music City Bowl where it seemed like practically half the state of Tennessee was trying to tackle him. <laughs> and he broke like six tackles en route to like a 27 yard reception. So, really a great receiving tight end. Iowa even used them out wide a little bit last year, partially out of necessity. He could probably get a little better from a blocking standpoint, but I see the potential where you look at two years from now, I think he could be a much better blocking tight end than he is now. So Iowa has a tradition with tight ends. When you think of George Kittle, TJ Hawkins, and you can go down the list there. Dallas Clark's going a little farther back. And Laporta fits right in with those guys in terms of his college production. And I see a lot of that translating to the next level. I see him as probably a day two pick, either second or third round. Again, we're talking all things Iowa Hawkeyes right now with John Steppy, Hawkeyes a reporter for Gazette.com on Radio Nation Radio 920. Final question for you. Uh, when I'm going through all these players that are going to hear their names called uh, one of those three days, some of them in the first round, maybe others in the day two, whatever the case may be, I'm noticing a, a recurring theme that all these players were all three stars or less coming out of high school and Iowa found a way to develop them into where they are right now and have that, that opportunity now to go into the NFL. What is it about Iowa that's able to develop all these players and prepare them for the next level? 
That's exactly their recruiting pitch right there. You just gave it to everybody. That's what I do. Where they are (laughs) a developmental program, and that's what they pride themselves on. Phil Parker, in terms of defensive backs, when we're talking about Riley Moss and Kayvon Merriweather, he has this way of spotting talent that everyone else misses, where especially you look at both Moss and Merriweather or guys who are not highly recruited. And the thing, too, is I believe Merriweather was the one that, okay, 24-7 bumped him up a star after he committed to Iowa. But if you looked at his recruiting profile before his commitment, really not on the radar. So they have a knack for identifying talent, especially with defensive backs, tight ends. They call themselves tight end you, and you see why when you have a guy like Sam Laporta. Mm -hmm. And look out for maybe Luke Lachey in a couple of years. We could be talking about him in 2024 or 2025. So it's just the reputation that Iowa has, especially at these positions where they have a strong reputation at these spots, not so much at quarterback. We're not talking about Spencer Petras here. So not so much at wide receiver, but when you look at tight end, when you look at defensive back, those are two positions where they really have a strong track record. That's, really been their bread and butter in the Kirk Ferentz era. You know, and that's that's a skill. I mean, it really is. That's not done on accident. So if that's their recruiting pitch, that's a hell of a recruiting pitch because it caught my attention. And I know if I'm a three-star, a two-star, uh, even a low four-star, right, I'm thinking, hey, man, I can go there and I might be playing on Sunday sooner rather than later. Well, fantastic stuff, John. We definitely appreciate you. What do you got coming out on the uh, Gazette.com that uh, we should be on the lookout for, maybe get a little bit more insight on some of these players we talked about? Yeah, so spring football coverage will be taking up a good chunk of time, but then I'll be continuing to keep an eye on the Iowa NFL draft prospects in this next month here leading up to the draft. All right, well, good stuff, John. We definitely appreciate you this afternoon. Thanks for giving us a few minutes of your time, and we'll be talking soon. Thanks for having me. No doubt, no doubt. Great stuff. John Steppe, Hawkeyes reporter from Gazette.com. And, Jared, there's no BS there when when it comes to – recruiting and again a guy that covered college football for a very very long time uh, I know what those stars are all about right I mean you've done the scout stuff you know what those stars are all about uh, those they take it very seriously and a lot of times I'm like yeah stars a star whatever but when you look at these guys and you look at them consistently three star three star three star two star three star uh, no stars right when you see that consistently but then you see they're all about to play on Sunday you got to give a lot of credit to that coaching staff absolutely it's also uh you have to give a lot of credit to the scouts as far as thinking, all right, here's what I know he can do, and here's what we're hoping we can teach him to do. And that's something that a lot of, like, a lot of the major programs don't actually, like, oh, we don't have to teach him. Like, he just needs to learn our scheme. And right. It's like, nah, this guy, I might have to spend some extra time teaching him how to, like, flip his hips. Right. Or doing all this stuff that he, he doesn't know how to do yet. That's what like differentiates right. a lot of this stuff. Or maybe he's five foot eight now. Mm-hmm. He's gonna grow an extra three inches. Or if he doesn't, he's gonna learn to play. You know, above his head. Right. No, and that's there. Like I said, there's a skill to that, and that's something that I really respected Matt Rule when he was at Baylor, and that's when I really got to know Matt Rule. Obviously, was at Baylor. Uh, he was really good at that. I mean, there are so many guys that he flipped from maybe being. Uh, I don't know, a running back to all of a sudden an edge rusher or a linebacker uh, like Hassan Reddick. Perfect example. Hassan Reddick went to Temple as a running back. 
Hassan Reddick then went to another position. I think he went to uh, like a middle linebacker. And then Matt Rule put him up as an edge rusher. He was like, no, hold on, we're going to move you here. Like he moved him. And the player, you got to give a lot of credit to the player as well. They're able to be molded sometimes. Sometimes players are hell-bent on, no, I have to play this, this, that, and that. No, no, sometimes you have to listen to the coaches that see more in you than you do. And, again, that's a skill. That's something that Matt Rule was able to do. You see Hassan Reddick, what, led the league in, uh, in sacks last year with, what, 17? Or yeah. at least he was if, – if he didn't lead the, the, the league, he was right up there at the very top. 17 is nothing to, uh, you know, stake a, shake a stick at. So, uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot to be said about being able to develop talent. So many thanks to John Steppe, Hawkeyes reporter from Gazette.com, breaking down the Iowa Hawkeyes that you will be seeing playing on Sunday. 316 is the time. Coming back, we'll uh, hear from you at 702-365-9200 and 69187, keyword R&R. This is Rare Nation Radio 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Many thanks to John Steppe, Hawkeyes reporter for Gazette.com, joined us, talked all things Iowa Hawkeyes, and that's a program to pay attention to, man. They've got a lot of talented players. Uh, They had a really good season, at least defensively. Offensively, not so much, but still had a hell of a season based off the strength of their defense. We had Paloma Villacana scheduled for 3.30 to talk all things UNLV, some aces, and all that other stuff, but... Apparently, she's been running around all day, and her phone is dying, and she's at the mall. So, I think... What she it, needs to hit up a kiosk? That's what I'm saying. I think a G-move would be would be to go to, I don't know, a cell phone spot in the mall and just plug in and be like, hey, let me just try this charger out, and then just, you know, talk to us. That would be a G-move, but I, I, I get it. That might be pushing the issue just a little bit. So, uh, Paloma will have to push off to another day till she can find some juice to put into her phone. But that's all right. It makes more time for you as we have a loaded show at 702-365-9200 and our don'tbebroke.com text sign is 69187, keyword r uh, Earlier we heard from Todd McShay. He said that the Raiders aren't interested in a quarterback in the top 10 if it's not C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young. Fine. Those are two guys that you look at and you think those are day one starters or potential day one starters. So if one of those guys happen to be there at number three, should the Raiders trade up to that spot and go get that guy? Or stay there at number seven and get that defensive player that we've all been talking about, whoever that is, defensive lineman, corner, whatever alpha dog is potentially there. That's the question that we throw out there to you at 702-365-9200 and the don'tbebroke.com text line 69187, keyword r We'll hear from Todd McShay in just a hot minute, but let's go out to the phone lines real quick. Talk to a man we haven't talked to in a minute. Passionate Raider, welcome to the show. What's on your mind, dude? What's up, Q, man? Just been out here busy, man. Just trying to do what I got to do to get by, but i still been listening to you, man. You, you've been the one keeping it real, Q. I love it. Um, I, I'm just, like, I'm just so, like, fun right now. I don't know which way to go, which way to believe. You know, I, I just don't feel that – I feel reaching for, for, for Jimmy was kind of a uh, – was reaching for a life, uh, a, a, a life jacket, man. I don't think it was, it was something they really wanted to do. And I'm just not feeling real stable right now, man, and – I don't think trading up in the draft for anybody is, is worth it right now. I, okay. I think hold tight and pick the best available player and keep every pick we have. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I've heard some chatter, too, about maybe throwing Devontae with the first to move up. And, and, and you know, I don't know. I just think all that stupid, man. And I, I, it, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, man, but just I just don't got good vibes right now. I just think a lot of things are sketchy. It, it, it seems like a whole like a whole bunch of new stuff that no one's just uncertain with right now. And I don't know if Josh feels confident or what, but if they hold if they hold at number seven and make a good pick that for a, for need, not want or stupidity, for need and pick the 
right guy, I think that'll show us at Raider Nation that these guys are really thinking about the future and just not trying to go out and bust because that's all we've been getting, Q, is bust, man. We can't keep getting busted upside the head, Mark. So stop. Let's go. There he goes. Passionate Raider, thanks for the call. Appreciate you. And that's the thing about it, man. That's the thing. Like, you, you just don't know until you see it. Right, and I've been saying that for the longest because I know a lot of people are so upset and, oh, they don't know what they're doing. These guys are crazy. Let them have a chance to, to execute the plan. Now, if they execute the plan and all of a sudden next year we're talking about, well, they need a quarterback, well, they need defense, well, they need this, that, and the other, then you can say, you know what? They went belly up. It was a bad decision. They made a bunch of bad decisions. But until we actually see it, we don't know. Right, So it's hard for us to criticize, and I know right now everyone wants everything flashy. I saw some report that all the Raiders spent this much money on offense and nothing on defense, and what the hell is going on with that? Look, the players that they signed on defense were just guys that filled some, some voids and, and some holes, and in particular, a couple guys that could fill some holes just in case they don't get that guy in the upcoming draft. So, you know, they, they kind of covered their backside. I like the fact that they took the offense approach of free agency. That means they can dedicate more of their time to the defensive side. And I'm, I'm excited because I want to see three or four good starters coming out of the draft and guys that could grow together for a while. Not just guys that all of a sudden one year you have this player, next year you have this player, next year you have this player. No, guys that can grow and gel together. Guys that you can see mature, like we've seen Max Crosby mature from the day he broke his hand in a preseason game to the moment where he signed his second contract. That's what I want to see. I want to see those guys. I want to see Nate Hobbs grow up and be a better player. I want to see Trayvon Merrick grow up and be a better player. That's what I want to see. I don't care to just see plug and play, plug and play, grab this guy, sign this guy, sign this guy, sign this guy. I don't care to see that. And that's not how Dave Ziegler and company want to do. When I talked to Dave Ziegler at the, at the owners' meetings, he told me that he wants, to, he wants to live in the draft. They're not there yet. Obviously, they haven't been there yet. And we don't know if they're going to be there, but they have an opportunity with 12 picks to go ahead and make that happen. He doesn't want to build teams through free agency. He wants to have consistency. That's what matters. Got a tweet uh, from Pharaoh NFL, at Pharaoh NFL. He said, man, the Raiders are doing a good job with all these rumors and top 30 visits. They're unpredictable right now with the seventh overall pick, which, Jared, that could be a really good thing, right? Being unpredictable, that's okay, especially in draft season. Yeah, exactly. Like, you want you – want, you, you want every single player to think that you love them, and you want every other team behind you to think that you're going to come up and take the guy that they are trying to go take. Or you might just do something crazy, and for you, if you want to, you want to freak out the Colts. That's the same division, right. like, like that's the same. Like you're, you're. If you ever make it into the playoffs, there's shit you could be playing the Colts. You want them to spend too much. You're trying to play head games. No, you're right. You're right. You want to just keep everyone off your scent, man. You just want to make people think that you're going to do something. You're going to zig when you're really planning on zagging. Now you don't want to zig so far that you take <laughs> some people that everybody goes. So they've been there, done that, that already. They, yeah, that they cut to a Raider fan in the in the crowd at the draft, and he makes a face that says, who? Right, exactly. Yeah, been there, done that. I've made that face as well. So, uh, yeah, thank you, Passionate, for your call. I do appreciate you. Uh, let's go out to the phone lines real quick. Talk to our guy, Justin. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Thank you. Uh, great show as always, man. Hey, uh, on this draft strategy, my, my two cents is the smartest thing you can do is trade back, okay. not up. And uh, the simple explanation is, like, it, it's very dangerous to fall in love with a player. What you should be falling in love with is math, probability, statistics, science. And what I mean is we live in Vegas. Those casinos were built on not getting emotional. They're built on math and probabilities and statistics. 
So what I mean is, the, if you, you just mentioned you wanted to pick, you're hoping you'd get three or four defensive starters. You know how you do that? Uh, by getting 20 picks. These moves that uh, Ziegler has been making to jettison players that he doesn't think are long-term future. For more picks, he's right on the money. We have no idea who's going to be good and who's going to be not. I said last week when I called in, more Hall of Famers in, uh, drafted undrafted free agents than there are first-round picks. My point is nobody knows who's going to be good. The Patriots all those years, they're master draftsmen, we always think, but that's probably because they're always trading for more picks because if you get 20 picks, you might get five that pop. Right. So don't fall in love with a player. Play the statistics. Just keep accumulating picks. Don't draft up. Draft back. And uh, you're going to hit on some if you just keep getting more and more. 12 or 13, whatever we have, that's a good start. If you can pick up a few more, uh, you're just in- increasing the probability. So so let's roll it that way. That's just my two cents. I'll see what your opinion is off the air. Hey, great call. Great call. And, and he brings up a great point. I love it. Bill Belichick actually always said that he thought of uh, draft picks as lottery tickets, and so the more of you them you have, the better you like, the better you can do. That's right. why whenever they were either in the thirty first or the thirty second position, mm-hmm. they'd literally just trade it for two right two second round picks because what's the difference between the thirty first and the thirty third guy? Right, exactly. I mean, the only thing, the only difference in a first round pick and a second round pick is a fifth year option opportunity. Right. right, and if you don't know by year four. <laughs> right, right, exactly. I mean, that's a good point. You know, so there's a lot of things to that, but I love Justin's call right there. And, yeah, the more cracks at it you have, the better, right? Now, again, you've got to be able to – you can't just waste them, right? We've seen this organization waste first-round opportunities, many cracks at first-round opportunities, and came away with one big-time hit, which was Josh Jacobs. Uh, and they got him late. Right, yeah, they got him, what, 24 overall? 24, yeah. 24, and then, uh, what, Abram was 28? So there you go, and Abram's gone. Klee is gone, Ruggs is gone, Leatherwood is gone, Arnett is gone. I mean, you know, there's so many first-round picks that have been wasted and squandered, and that's, that's big-time draft capital right there. So, But it's more than just the first round, though. you got to hit on, on later rounds as well, like a Max Crosby, like a Hunter Renfro, you know, guys that came out like a Nate Hobbs, right? I mean, he was a fifth-round pick. So you've got to be able to realize that the draft doesn't stop when your first-round pick is done. You also have the rest of the draft, so the more picks you can get, the better. So I like that. That thinking right there. On the don'tbebroke.com text line from Jim and Yonkers, he said, I just want to win. There are only three teams currently that have made the playoffs uh, at least three years in a row, Chiefs, Bills, and Bucks. Bucks were weak this year, and Brady's gone. Packers and Rams' uh, streak ended this year. The point is, look at the quarterbacks on those teams. Mahomes, Allen, Brady, they are very good and stay healthy. We need to get a quarterback. If he's still on the board, thank you for a great show. That's Jim and Yonkers. It makes sense. The one thing I've been saying about the quarterback position is the AFC is loaded. Yep. It's loaded. I mean, you have the quarterbacks that he just mentioned. You know, you obviously have Mahomes. You have Allen. Uh, you have Lamar Jackson, assuming he's going to end up going back to Baltimore. That's what I believe. Joe Burrow, obviously, in Cincinnati. He ain't Lawrence. going nowhere. Right, exactly. Lawrence is at the Jacks- Jaguars. Uh, you assume that Tua Tagovailoa is going to be in Miami. I'm assuming he's going to stay healthy, maybe. I mean, you know, there's still question marks there, but they have a really good team. I think that uh, uh, the young man, uh, Pickett, I think he's going to get better in Pittsburgh. I really do. I know he's not a world beater right now, but I think he's going to get better. Uh, you know, obviously, Herbert in your own division, right? I mean, let's not forget about that guy. I know he hasn't, you know, won in the playoffs yet, but he's still a damn good quarterback, right? So, I mean, there's a lot of good quarterbacks in the AFC that you're going to have to compete with. So, I do I think at one time, at some point, and I'm not saying you have to do it right now, you've got to go out and get, get your guy. Get your guy that you feel like could be your gunslinger. But you can do and follow the same model that the, the Chiefs did. Build the team up. Have a guy. I mean, Alex Smith, I don't want to disrespect Alex because he was slow and steady. You knew what you were going to get yep. from Alex Smith. 
right? He wasn't going to turn the ball over. Ten right. wins. He wasn't going to turn the ball over a lot. He wasn't going to wow you, but he was going to he was going to get things done the way he was going to. He was going to get you. He's like GPS, right? Yep. You punch in the address, he's going to get you there. Right. He <laughs> literally knew, all right, that's Jamal Charles. All right, I hand him the ball. That's that guy, or that's right. Travis Kelsey. I throw him the ball. That's all I got to do? Right. All right, that's all I got to do. Right, and he was very comfortable with that. And really, I think his career started to turn around when he got with Jen Harbaugh in uh, in San Francisco because at first Alex Smith looked like the biggest bust out there, right? He was like, oh, yeah. this guy stinks. But then Jim Harbaugh got him really comfortable in being just him. Not being special, just being him. And then Kansas City said, yeah, this is good. We like this guy just being him. But we can get this guy that could be better. And that's when they made the move and got Patrick Mahomes. And then they took off. And now they've won multiple Super Bowls. And he's won multiple MVPs. And he's making almost half a billion dollars. I mean, you know what I mean? Like the dude or whatever he's making. I don't know where he's at. He's got so much stinking money, it's ridiculous. He'll be the probably the guy to get the guaranteed contracts while Lamar's up there trying to get a contract. Patrick is like, oh, I got I got all these contracts. I'll sign 10-year deals, and I'm good, right? I mean, it's just it's ridiculous. But it is what it is, and uh, he's just that guy, right? And he, he's he's the guy that everyone's really chasing across the NFL. So uh, there you go. Good stuff. Uh, definitely appreciate the text. Appreciate the calls. Uh, really good stuff, as a matter of fact. I did want to uh, let you hear a sound from Todd McShay real quick. Again, on the conference call earlier today, uh, really good stuff with him. And, again, we've been talking about quite a bit on the show today about that number three overall spot. So this sound bite comes from him talking about how aggressive he thinks teams will get to trade up to that number three spot with the Arizona Cardinals. You know, the top two quarterbacks we know are going to go, whether it's Young, Stroud, or Stroud Young, those first two picks. Then you've got Arizona sitting there, and, and they're open for business. And I think in a perfect world, they'd get a deal done with the Colts to um, to move back one spot and, and still get and still get the guy that they want in Will Anderson, the edge, edge rusher out of Alabama. But – Here's like you look at it, and Seattle has been so involved in the pro days. They clearly would like to bring in a young quarterback to have in the back end of Geno uh, in case Geno can't sustain success, or just because when's the next time Seattle's going to be picking at five, right? And that this is a pick that they they got in a trade. So they're looking at this as an opportunity to get a quarterback on the cheap that they can develop behind behind Anthony Richardson. But our, I don't see them as a team that wants to trade up even two spots. Because while they, they'd love to get a quarterback at five, if they start to give away some of their other picks and they're coming off the best draft in, in the NFL a year ago with John Schneider and Pete Carroll and, and really replenish their roster with, with a bunch of rookies that made huge impacts, they don't want to give away picks and not be able to build on what they, what they established last year. So I don't see them moving up. I, I mentioned the Raiders if it – you know, if there's about a 1% chance that the top two quarterbacks don't go 1-2. And, and in that case, to me, yeah, the, the Raiders would trade up to get one of those guys at number three. But if in, as long as it's Stroud and Young it picks one and two either way, I don't see them moving up. So then you get to Tennessee at 11, Washington at 16, and Tampa Bay at 19. And I can visualize those guys moving up for the third quarterback if he starts to fall. Like if the Colts – wind up, you know, hell-bent on, on, um, on getting a deal done for, um, for Lamar Jackson and not take a quarterback at, at four or not move up to three, then I think you could see some of those other teams try to move up the board maybe, you know, maybe to somewhere in like that six, seven, eight range, and depending on what Seattle does at five. So 
it'll be interesting to see. I don't, I don't envision Tennessee or Washington or Tampa making a huge move up to number three. It's just going to cost so much to do so. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see where Richardson goes, where Levis goes. If one of them start to fall a little bit or both of them start to fall a little bit, then I think if you get in, you know, to seven, seven to ten range, then it, it's more conceivable that one of those teams would, would wind up moving up. So there you go. Todd McShay from ESPN on his conference call this morning talking about teams getting aggressive. And you heard what he said at the end, a nice little nugget, I thought. Teams get there around seven, and if there's a guy available that they might want, they might trade up to go get that guy. So if Richardson or Levis is still there. So going back to the call we got from Justin, trade back and get some more uh, assets. That's a possibility if one of those guys happens to fall to seven. I don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, it would be – it's like two – it's two-sided here. It would be strange to see four quarterbacks go like in the top five. I know it's not unheard of, but it would be strange to see it. So there's a chance that maybe a Levis is there at seven and a team is pretty thirsty for a quarterback and says, you know what, go ahead and trade with the Raiders and they can move back. And then maybe the Raiders still get a Witherspoon or possibly a Gonzalez or whatever defensive player that they want. And they get extra assets going back to what Justin said. The more shots at it you have, the better chance you have to come out of it with some dudes. So Raider Nation, I ask you the question at 69187, keyword r Of course, we want to hear from you. 702-365-9200. Coming up at 4 o'clock, Cam Rogers from the Believe Podcast Network will talk all things Masters. But if Stroud or Young happen to be there at number three, are you thinking that you're the Raiders and going to get aggressive and trade up to number three to go get that person? Or just stay at number seven, get the best defensive player, or even like Justin said, potentially trade back. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Love to hear from you. We heard from Todd McShay from ESPN earlier in the show. Talking about the Raiders in the quarterback position. If it's not C.J. Stroud, if it's not Bryce Young, top 10, they're not really interested. Little side note, Bryce Young will be in tomorrow to the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. We found that out earlier in the show. Being to get a visit with the Raiders, one of the top 30 visits. Also, Anthony Richardson on Friday will be in. Will Levis was in on Monday. So they're doing all their due diligence on all the quarterbacks, as they should. So the question I threw out there to you, and I'd love to hear your response and what your thoughts are, what you think the Raiders should do and navigate through the waters of this draft season as we're about 22 days away from the first round of the draft in Kansas City. If Stroud or Young just so happened to be there at number three, and again, I don't know what would make them fall to number three unless someone fell in love with Anthony Richardson and made him the number one or number two overall pick. I, I just, to me, I don't see it because Stroud and Young are so much more polished, but that's just me, right? That's just me. Uh, there, there's Frank Wright with the Panthers could say, you know what? That guy's the right size. I could work with them. We've got a lot of former uh, players on this team uh, as the coaching staff. I can make it work with that guy. Or maybe someone in Houston thinks the same thing. So maybe Anthony Richardson gets slid into that spot. Or maybe D'Amico Ryans just pulls a banana out the tailpipe and says, no, nah, you know what? I'm a defensive-minded coach. I want to get the best defensive player available. And he just happens to go with Will Anderson. Look, Jared, you brought it up in the show earlier that, you know, they did that with Mario Williams when they had the number one overall pick. Everyone, including me and including Reggie Bush, thought Reggie Bush was going to go number one overall. And it was Mario Williams, after all. And it turned out to be the right pick. And, I mean, that's that that will always be something that will stick in my mind because it's one of the most – everyone, everyone assured us you go Reggie Bush. Oh, he's, yeah. he's a living video game. He was amazing to watch. I used to stay at the barbershop longer than my haircut just because, well, Reggie Bush is still playing. I don't want to miss something. And then it's just like Mario Williams and everybody went, 
Who? Right. Why? Why are you? Wait, what? What's going on here? The guy with the like permanent like bloodshot <laughs> eyes? <laughs> right. And it turned out to be the right move. He played for so many different teams. And like he just kept getting contracts where Reggie kept kind of getting hurt. I mean, and Reggie, yeah, he was never, Reggie was never the guy that like, everyone thought he was going to be. Everyone thought they were going to get USC. Reggie Bush, where they ended up getting, I mean, a good player. Don't get yeah. me wrong. Reggie Bush was a phenomenal player, but he wasn't he wasn't the guy that you thought was going to break like every rushing record in history because he was that stinking good. He just wasn't that guy. He wasn't built like that. Just the NFL is a different animal, and you could tell. That's when I, I think I started really realizing the difference between college and the NFL. Uh, those, those, uh, those sprints to the outside aren't there as easy in the yeah. NFL as they are in college. There's a, they're also fast. Right. Yeah, there's a linebacker that's like, oh, is that all you got? I got you. I'll never forget the the day my buddy Quan Cosby, man, he went to the University of Texas, played in the NFL for a little while. Uh, he told me live on the air, I was doing a show with him in, in ESPN Central Texas, and uh, he said, Q, the moment I realized I was in the NFL is when I went across the middle and I just got a flipper from Ray Lewis. I didn't get hit. I just got an elbow flipper, just like a boom. Hey, just kind of throw me off my route. And he was like, Q, that was the hardest thing I ever felt in my life. That was the thing that hurt the most. And that was just a flipper. That wasn't a big time like, oh, you caught the ball. Let me, let me, you know, let you out. That was a flipper, and he was like, dude, that was the hardest thing that ever. That that was the most pain he'd ever felt. So there is that. So again, want to hear from you, Raider Nation six nine one eight seven keyword R and R seven zero two three six five nine two hundred. Phone lines are wide open until at least four o'clock when we have Cam Rogers from the Believe Podcast Network. He'll join us to talk all things the Masters. Then at four thirty, Jordan Schultz. From the score, will join us to talk about the owners' meetings where I hung out with him, Matt, uh, what he's hearing around the league, what he's hearing about the upcoming draft, players in the draft, you know, all these visits that the Raiders are having and other teams are having, what they mean. Jordan Schultz will join us at 4.30. But Robin Oakland hit us up on the nobybroke.com text line and said, the trade happened uh, after the combine, so I doubt the Raiders' interest in number one was for Jalen Carter, which suggests they may have been targeting Stroud, Young, or Anderson. If they're willing to trade to number one, they should be willing to trade to number three uh, because the cost would be less to go to number three. But we've seen in the past, yesterday's price is not today's price. Amen. That was the theme from Super Bowl. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> and you doubled down on it by going to the owners' meetings and proving. Yes, exactly. Proving the concept to be true. Absolutely right. <laughs> Rob goes on to say, unless they're confident Stroud or Anderson are Super Bowl pieces, I'm still in favor of standing firm at number seven or trading down for more picks in a draft that have as many solid prospects in the second half of the first, second, and third rounds. We may need many, many competent players to create a concert, uh, cohesive team. That's Rob in Oakland, and he's going back to the same thing that Justin was talking about. You know, go ahead and train back, get more cracks at it than just, you know, the 12. Even though 12 is a lot, and you don't need 12 picks, right? I'll be, I'll be the first to say you're not going to pick 12 times. There's not. And the Texans, the Texans and the Raiders have the most picks in this upcoming draft, both with 12. So you're not going to pick 12 times, but if you have more picks, the more picks you have, the more you could package them together, you can move around, you can even package them back, go back and collect a couple more draft picks for next year. And I know we're not talking about next year's draft, but that's also a reality. If you give up a couple of your picks to a team that's desperate for whatever person is right there, you can also start to collect some draft picks for next year. That's extra draft capital to continue to help build your team the way that the Raiders want to do, which is through the draft. It's that simple. Absolutely. I have a question for you, and uh -oh. you can uh, you can brush this off as, uh, uh-oh, Jared's getting a little dumb over here. Okay. So of the non-top four guys, who who would you be happy for? Or Let's not even say top four. Let's say like the back-end top QB talent. Who would you be happy if the Raiders took at like 
in the fifth round? <laughs> Would it be the kid from Stanford? Would it be like the kid from Fresno? Well, you can't, can't you can't get another Fresno guy. Sorry, no, you could, you could. But uh, like, if they truly want to be like emulate the Patriots, who do you think they? Where do they? Who who's Tom Brady of the people available? Is it Stetson Bennett? Um, I don't know. Hold on, I got a quick text that I got to get to. Oh, Reg- that's more important. Reggie had the Kardashian curse. That's funny. I had to, I had to get that one because they're not wrong. Yep. That's no. a really good one. That's Devin San Diego. We appreciate that text. Is um, Booker the only guy to ever come out of that okay? Did he come out of it okay? Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, that thing is real. The Kardashian curse, uh, whatever it is, the uh, Jenner curse, uh, anyone related to uh, that group of people's. <laughs> that That is a real deal thing. But getting back to your question, later round quarterbacks is what you're asking about. Like a guy you would be like, you know what? I, I two three years. I, I bet he could. I bet he could work. I like DTR. Yeah, Dorian Thompson yeah. Robinson. I don't know where he's, and, and I don't know where any of these guys are, are going to go. Like I'm not that draft guy where I just know. Okay, this is a fifth round guy, and this is a sixth round guy. That's I don't. I don't have any idea. I think Stetson Bennett would be a guy that's interesting. I'm not saying that he's going to be the dude. Uh, DTR to me is very uh, much a guy that I'd be interested in. Uh, I just like his work ethic. Uh, talking to him at the Shrine Bowl, I thought that that was, uh, you know, he just he just said some things that made me think, okay, this guy is really trying to work in and 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 continue to develop his craft. So I think that he would be a guy that's very intriguing. Um, and Jake Hanner from Fresno is intriguing. You know, he's a guy that a lot of people have talked about. A lot of people call the show and say, hey, go get Jake Hanner. They, I mean, no joke. I'm not I'm not saying that just you know just to say it. They they they've called and and suggested that and I, I I goofed and made a joke and was like yeah I don't think Raider Nation probably wants another Fresno State quarterback just because of the same reason that you said it yeah but I don't I think for the most they don't part, they don't care I don't think so as long as they can get a quarterback that's uh, gonna get get the job done uh, they're fine with that and, and that's how it should be uh, and I was kind of saying that like I said as a joke I mean I, look wherever you come from is where you come from right I mean you could look at Houston cornerbacks and say well I don't want a cornerback from Houston because of DJ Hayden well. And ain't the rest of those guys' fault that DJ Hayden didn't work out. I mean, it's just it's just what it is. So I, I you know, you can't hold uh, a school against a, a certain player. Um, as far as other quarterbacks that are going to be later round picks, Tanner McKee is somewhat interesting. Yeah. I think Clayton Toon from Houston is somewhat interesting. Um, I, I would like a guy that kind of has a chip on his shoulder and has been told for a long time that he can't do something. I just like those kind of guys. They and don't then, always then work Stetson out. Bennett is your, well, is your boy. Stetson Bennett told the police that they're ruining his reputation because they're arresting him. So yeah. I, I wish I would use that one. Hey, man, you're going to ruin my reputation if you arrest me. All right. You're really going to jail. <laughs> right? Even better. So yeah. Hey, hey, stop writing the ticket. Get out the cuffs. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not too sure. Uh, but – at some point, man, you've got to find your guy. I mean, it's just there's no doubt about it. I think we all realize that. The question is just when are you going to find that guy, right? I mean, it's just you really don't know. I had a sound bite that I wanted to play that was a really good one that had to do with later round quarterbacks, but I don't, I don't exactly know where it's at. So there's no point in me trying to find it. <laughs> it was matter of fact, it was from Jordan Reed because because ah. Jordan Reed, what he did in his latest mock draft, he did a seven round mock draft. He had like 13 quarterbacks mocked. And like seven or eight of them were later round draft picks because of Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy was one of those guys that because of the success he had a year ago, he started thinking about uh, similar to what you said, Bill Belichick said about draft picks being lottery tickets. Like he was saying, having a a, a later round quarterback is like having a lottery ticket. So uh, here's Jordan Reed talking about later round quarterbacks and why uh, he had so many draft mocked in his latest mock draft. And if Brock Purdy was a major reason why. 
Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. When I was making the mock draft, Brock Purdy was a name that just kept uh, being in my head as far as there's no reason for you not to take a late round quarterback this year, even if you're one and two or set. We saw what happened to the 49ers in the NFC title game. You don't want to be in a situation of if that happens to you, you want to have that emergency player off of the bench. But those late round guys are like lottery tickets to me. And Brock Purdy was a great example of that. And we've seen guys in years past that have gone on to be those day three players. They end up turning into starters. And even if they don't turn into starters for you, they end up turning into assets, too. We've seen it in years past, whether it's a Jimmy Garoppolo when he was with the Patriots, Jacoby Brissett when he was coming out, too. We've seen these late round quarterbacks go on to be lottery tickets in a sense. You never know what they could turn into. I think I had 13 overall quarterbacks being drafted in this draft class, which will be the most that we've seen in quite some time. But I think with these late round quarterbacks, I think we're going to see a record number be selected just so you can have that QB three as insurance, or you could end up having a Brock Purdy type of situation of where you end up hitting on a late round player. Jordan Reed right there from ESPN. It's funny, man, all these uh, pre-draft conference calls are all of a sudden going on. Again, I mentioned Mel Kuyper Jr. He had his a uh, few few weeks ago. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah had his before the combine. Uh, he'll have another one coming up from the NFL Network. But Matt Miller, Jordan Reed, they had theirs just the other day. Still haven't gone through all their sound. And then all of a sudden, Todd McShay has his today. So uh, blessed to have the opportunity to be on these conference calls. And again, man, I don't, I don't like to act like the kid that knows everything or the guy that's walking around the streets that knows everything because I don't. Uh, but I like to hear what these guys have to say and what they're hearing because they're hearing it from somewhere. Now, I'm not saying that it's always truth. Not this time of year. I mean, you, you know, you have to kind of decipher what you believe and what you don't believe. But it's a lot better and a lot more credible to hear from a guy who's actually talking to someone than just me saying, well, you know, I think that uh, the Raiders are going to move up and try to go get C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young. Or I think those are the only two quarterbacks just off the top of my head. Now, I could say that and I might be right. But – you know, when you have someone else that's backing it up that's saying, yeah, that's what I'm hearing, and you know that that person is talking to someone, whether you're a Todd McShay, Mel Kuyper, Daniel Jeremiah, whether you're any of those guys, right? I mean, I think that that's just – uh, adds a little bit of credibility to it, and that's what I like to do when it comes to this show. So we want to hear from you, Raider Nation. Uh, again, Stroud or Young, if one of those guys happens to be there at number three, are you making the move? Are you trading up to number three to go get that guy? Or are you staying there at number seven and drafting the best defensive player available? Or even moving back? We could throw that option in there too. Move back and still have an opportunity to get a really good defensive player. I'm not real high on on just trading back just for the sake of trading back. Only because I want to see, if the Raiders stay there, I want to see them get a stud. You want to see them get a dude? Yes. Again, I've been saying it so long. Alpha dogs, alpha dogs, alpha dogs. They do not have enough of those on their team. The more, the better. Don't pass on an alpha just to get a player and a few more picks. When we come back, we'll kick off hour number three. Cam Rogers from the Believe Podcast Network will join us to talk all things Masters. This is Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920.